Hi and welcome to AGM Watch, brought to you by the Australian Shareholders Association. Coming up on the 29th of September 2021 is the ASX Limited AGM. Our company monitor is Peter Gregory, also assisted by Sue Howes, I believe? Correct, yes. So, hello Peter, thanks for joining us today. Hi Phil, good to be with you. We all know that ASX is where we trade our shares and ETFs and their financial results mention an increase in revenue across three of the four business units. What are those business units, Peter? As you say, Phil, four business units. There's the the trading services, which is the part that processes our share trades and also collects a lot of information and and provides that information as as a service. The next is the equity post-trade services, which is actually the transaction. It's the uh, clearing process and the settlement process that follows on from the actual share trade that we process. They have a, a substantial listings business, which is the work they do to uh, to maintain the relationships with all the companies that are listed on the ASX, and also the work they do to bring new companies on board, whether they're um, totally new listings or whether they're um, backdoor listings or, or other forms. But they have a, a substantial amount of their business revenue is actually in that listing activity. They have, um, and this is the part that didn't go so well last year, is, is the derivatives and OTC markets, which is around uh, about a quarter of their revenue. Um, it fell about 10% last year. And that was um, just largely attributable to less activity happening in that part of the marketplace, less futures activity happening. They were also significantly impacted by lower interest rates. So um, they're the four sections of the market. So why does ASX have a limited influence over its revenue? A lot of their revenue is just determined by market activity. It's just turnover, isn't it, really? It's simply turnover, people deciding to buy or sell. Although there are two areas that when we sort of dig into it a bit, we can see that they do have some influence on their revenue, and that's in the the listing services part of it, where ASX has an active program of seeking more listings on the exchange. They focus particularly on the technology marketplace where they want to build the presence that Australia has as a a marketplace that's good for technology listings. And also companies of foreign countries where they're effectively competing with other countries or perhaps with dual listings to encourage more companies to list on the Australian marketplace. So that's uh, an activity where they can actively go out and, and seek more business. The second is in, in the information services that they provide. They have a massive data that they collect just through the work that they do, and they've done a, a good job of compiling that data into information that has value to uh, to various players in the marketplace, whether it be analysts or brokers or uh, other people who have an interest in what's happening across the stock market. It's interesting, isn't it, that um, there are companies, overseas companies, who will list here. I know a couple of Israeli companies, for example, who are listed on the ASX rather than anywhere else in the world. Yes, and of course, in terms of um, startups in Australia, they'd rather encourage them to uh, to list here than venture overseas, NASDAQ or wherever. And the uh, the growth of the tech sector in Australia is is suggesting that there's validity to that, that Australia can be a good place to list. Yeah. So tell us about the pre-AGM meeting. How was that? Who were the people that attended and um, what did you discuss? Uh, we had a very good meeting. We met the new chairman, Damien Roach, who's taken over from Rick Holiday-Smith. And, um, you know, very pleased that, uh, that Damien was quite happy to engage with us. We discussed a number of topics and uh, there were some issues that we agreed on. And as you'd expect, some issues that we uh, we didn't agree on. But it was a, a good open discussion. 
We had Heather Ritt out there, who is the chair of the remuneration committee. And it's the first time she's attended a, a pre-AGM meeting, so it was good to be able to interact directly with the uh, the person who's leading the remuneration activity. And you know, particularly important as we did have some concerns and issues with remuneration that we're able to take up directly with her. So, what were some of the issues that you were discussing? In terms of the uh, um, the broader business, um, one of the key issues we talked about was the outage that happened last year, November last year where uh, ASX did a, an upgrade to a part of their system, their share trading system, and um, it just simply fell over. So for the better part of a day, there was no, no share trading happening on the ASX, which is a, you know, a very, very disappointing situation. Disappointing for ASX because they are particularly um, expressed their sorrow for it having, having happened, but also disappointing for us as shareholders of ASX because we absolutely rely on them to do a, a very good job. And to be bulletproof in this space, obviously, yeah. To be bulletproof, disappointing from the regulator's point of view because they expect a, um, a higher standard. And there were quite a number of share traders at the time who were impacted because they uh, they had orders in that actually they didn't actually know what was happening with. Now, ASX were able to get it sorted overnight and back on the market the next day, but it was, uh, you know, in all respects, you know, an unacceptable situation. It took a while for things to get on top, but the major part of it, which was the share trading activity, they worked with NASDAQ, who was the software provider that they worked with and were able to get it sorted overnight. Mm. So this is a question without notice. I'm not sure if you wanted to speak to this, but um, how are they seeing Chiax as a competitor? We didn't discuss that. And I guess the reality is that ASX does not have a monopoly, but there is only one other organisation that has a licence to operate, and it's ChiX, and it's, um, it is significantly smaller than ASX. ASX is certainly the dominant player in the marketplace. One of the, uh, the questions that came out of this outage in November was, well, why, given ASX couldn't operate, were the trades not able to be switched across to ChiX? Uh, and I think it was fairly simple at once the trades got into the ASX process, nobody actually knew where they were. So um, there was a risk if brokers had gone to ChiX and put the trades through that there would have been a significant amount of duplication. We're all looking forward to not receiving those paper statements, the chess settlement statements in the mail and getting them electronically. This outage has had a significant effect on the rollout of um, the implementation of the chess replacement technology. What was the discussions about that? I wouldn't say that it has had an impact on the timing and the activity that's involved with the, um, with the rollout of the distributed ledger technology chess replacement program. But I think it's caused ASX to look more closely at the testing that they did. And um, one of the outcomes of the outage was a review that was conducted by IBM, an expert review where um, they identified some shortcomings that ASX had in the process of rolling out this technology update in, in November 20. And it looks to me, as I read through the press release that came out from ASIC describing some of the headline reasons for the outage, that there were some things that, um, with the value of hindsight, you could say should have been taken more notice of and that were avoidable. Now, ASX acknowledges that. They've been doing a lot of work to improve their processes. They have overlaid an extra layer of testing into the chess rollout to take into account the things that were highlighted. 
by the uh, IBM review. But at the end of the day, there were simply some things that they missed that should have been on top of. And that, in a lot of respects, you would say is not an acceptable situation. So presumably, they want to make sure things are right for the chess replacement technology when it rolls out. Well, I think, I mean, that's that's certainly their goal. I would expect and hope that they've learnt from the experience. But you've also got to consider that the chess replacement rollout is a considerably more complex piece of software than the upgrade that they did. In terms of the technology that it's based on, the distributed ledger technology, I personally think it's a really exciting thing that they're doing. Yeah, tell us about that. What is the distributed ledger technology? Distributed ledger technology is really, I guess, a structure where information is kept in a number of databases instead of just a single database. It enables the processing that happens with, say, a share transaction to happen across all of the participants in the process at the same time. So if you consider what happens now when you place an order with your broker, the broker submits your order to the exchange, the share registry gets involved, the buyer's broker gets involved, the people who hold the money, the various banks get involved. So a whole lot of separate entities get involved in processing that transaction. And it's a, it's a sequential transaction where it goes through a number of steps to get the outcome. What distributed ledger technology does is, in fact, make all of those databases linked so that when the transaction happens, it gets replicated through all of those different databases and it almost happens seamlessly. Because it's replicated across a a number of databases, there is um, a degree of security because it's replicated at a number of places, so there's, there's no ability to dispute the transaction. There's a redundancy built in. A very large amount of redundancy built in. And I guess just going beyond the work that is happening with the DLT replacement in Australia, I'd make two further comments. It's a first for the stock exchange industry throughout the world. So um, the rest of the exchanges throughout the world, I would believe, are very closely watching what happens with a chess replacement to ensure that it works. And I would expect if it works effectively and, and proves to be as efficacious and secure and transparent as it's expected, it will be used as a model for rolling out in other jurisdictions throughout the world. Also, in terms of of distributed ledger technology, it's one of the technology areas that the Australian government has said Australia needs to be a leader in. And it's a technology that can be applied across as well as a whole range of financial transactions, providing security for things such as um, artworks, wine, It really is quite a a leap forward in terms of the way data and ownership is recorded. So um, the Australian government has a very strong focus on it being a successful technology that Australia is able to lead at. So let's uh, move on to the AGM and the issues for the meeting and um, the voting intentions of the Shareholders Association. So the association is going to be voting against the re-election of Peter Marriott as a director. Tell us the story behind that. Yeah, that's correct. Peter Marriott has been a a director of ASX for quite a long period of time. He's currently been a director for 12 years. He's standing again, which would make his directorship 15 years at the end of his term. ASA likes to see a good process of board renewal. ASA likes to see directors really moving on after three terms or nine years. We look at Peter's proposal to be re-elected and say, well, that's really getting to be far longer than ASA would like to see directors in place. 
We also look at the statement that's made in the annual report that ASX wants to engage in a process of board renewal. And to us, that reinforces the fact that um, nine years is a good period for turnover. ASX does not have a board tenure policy, but we think that um, getting on to 15 years is really stretching it a bit too far. We also think in terms of Peter, his background is very much a, um, a banking background. I'm not saying that he hasn't been a, uh, you know, a fantastic contributor throughout his career, but it is reasonably narrow in terms of its perspective. When you look at the turnover that's happened in the board recently with Rick Halliday-Smith leaving, while he had a substantial background in, um, in financial markets, he also had a much broader background in that he was um, chair of Cochlear had during his career been involved in various venture capital operations, had been an investor in in smaller startups, and um, just broader dimension of entrepreneurship and understanding of technology to the board. The other person that's recently left the board is Peter Warren. Again, quite a a dynamic sort of character, been involved in the stockbreaking industry for a very long period of time. In fact, before ASX existed, but also has had a broader interest. And I, I'd point out right now, he's currently chair of Macquarie. Now, Macquarie is a, you know, a really, really dynamic organization, had given Peter exposure to um, a wealth of other experiences beyond the exchange. So comparing those two people who are no longer on the board, we see that the board has, I guess, has lost some breadth of ability. And we would like to see that um, the board renewal bringing forward more people who had a, a greater breadth of experience. And particularly given that the, uh, again, one of the other things that the board is looking for as a priority for this year and in the future is the board's oversight of ASX's technology contemporization program. So we would like to see more of a focus on directors who could, for the long term, provide hands-on support of this technology transition that uh, ASX is going through and has to go through. Getting up to speed with the new world that um, technology is enabling at the moment, I assume. Yeah, and we acknowledge that ASX is not a creator of technology. ASX is a a user of technology, that um, it would be very beneficial to have a stronger presence of people who understood the implications of technology across a broader range of industries represented on the board. Now we come to the big one, the remuneration report, which we're voting against. That's correct. That's a serious step, isn't it? It is serious, and we thought about it very hard. But I guess when you look at where ASA is coming from, our voting guidelines have some pretty clear statements as to what we expect in a remuneration plan. And while the reality is we don't expect every company to have everything right, on balance, we looked at the ASX remuneration plan and said there were significant deviations from our guidelines that as a consequence that it meant there wasn't as strong a connection as we would like to see between the remuneration plan and the objectives of individual shareholders and that therefore we would vote against it. So as I said, it's a serious step and considered very hard. If I can just run through some of the reasons and deviations from ASA's guidelines, one of the things we look for is that for the uh, the variable incentive to be a, a significant part of the uh, remuneration package, 
in ASX's case, it certainly is. But we want to have the primary focus being on the long-term incentives. And in the case of ASX, it's only 20% of the CEO's total remuneration that goes to long-term. And we think that that is not sufficient when you consider that most of our members are longer-term shareholders, so we want to see a closer connection between longer-term outcomes and the remuneration of the KMP. The LTI has two metrics. One is relative TSR, and that's great. Over recent years, that's delivered outcomes for the KMP concerned. But the second metric of earnings per share There's a minimum hurdle of 5.1% compound growth over the period of time. Now, for at least five years, there hasn't been a payout on that side of it. So we look at it and say, well, that's just not delivering any kind of outcome for the executive concerned, nor is it delivering any kind of outcome for shareholders because it's growth in value that really contributes to shareholder value. So we we don't believe that part of the long-term incentive is doing its job. Another comment about the long-term incentive is that um, right now, it's only the CEO who has access to the long-term incentive. The CEO has long-term and short-term incentives. The other KMP only have short-term incentives. So we would see that the other KMP don't have the kind of connection that we would like to see between long-term shareholder outcomes and their remuneration. In terms of the short-term incentives, it's split into financial outcomes, vision strategy and execution, and group scorecards. As we looked through the the details of what's involved in that, we saw that um, many of the measures were not what we would regard as quantifiable. So it's difficult to see how the outcome is actually determined to be successful or not. Another very important concern that we have is that of all of the metrics that are involved in the short term, there's no weighting. So as shareholders, we can't see what percentage of the short-term incentive goes to financial outcomes, what proportion of the short-term incentive goes to vision strategy execution. So while it appears that the remuneration committee and the board has a fairly extensive process of determining what the outcome is, It's just not transparent for shareholders, and we, I guess, therefore can't see there's an immediate connection between a specific outcome and a reward being given. So, Phil, a whole bunch of reasons why we, we see there's a disconnect between what ASA is looking for and what ASX is delivering in its REM plan, so we've made the decision not to support it this year. And uh, that leads into the voting against the grant of performance rights to the CEO Managing Director, Dominic Stevens. Yeah, and Phil, that really just flows on from the outcome of the remuneration plan. The performance rights come from a smaller part of his package. We'd like to see a larger part. For all the reasons we talked about in in the REM plan, it's just not delivering the kind of outcome that we think is consistent with the needs of independent retail shareholders. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Phil. I've enjoyed it. No, it's been great speaking with you. And I I think we should also just mention Sue and her contribution as well. Yeah, no, that's right. I'm relatively new to monitoring. Sue is very experienced and has been invaluable in working with ASX. Thank you very much.